week, we'll start this. So let me just, I'll give you, I, I, I threw out, a, I, and I, I shouldn't have done it. I shouldn't have done it and said we we're going to start something, but we are. But I, I just haven't started as soon as some of you might would have liked. But we're going to talk about end time stuff, uh, some of the end times events and maybe where we're at. We're going to look at some of that. We'll talk about, you know, what do we do in these times? What, what, what should be our game plan as believers in these times as we look for the coming of our Lord? Amen? Uh, I, I'm ready. And... You know, I, I can see how that's changed for me, Trish. I don't know if you, if it's been that way for you, but I remember being younger, and I was like, you know, I'd, I'd hear people talking about, you know, the Lord, let, let the Lord come back right now. And I, when I was younger, I, was, I had a different take on that. I was like, no, Lord, there's people that need to be saved. You know, I had a very spiritual answer, but it really wasn't about that. It was really about me. It was, you know, when we're younger, we really... We look more toward life, and we, we, we think of all these things we want. How many of you just would, let me just, just ask, I'm, I don't know, I, I'm going to get the wrong answer, I know. I'm not going to get the answer I want. But how many of you would just say life is so simple and so easy and just so wonderful and so great, and everything about this life is so amazing that I never want to leave this life? Good. I went way beyond. I want to make sure nobody went, oh, man, I love it. Life's great. Now, life is good. Amen. As a believer, life is good. And even in the difficult, hard times, life is good. And we can, we can, we can have joy in all things. We can be thankful for all things and in all things. We can because of our relationship with Christ. Amen. Because of that, life's good. But I want to tell you, this life stinks. Just watch the news and you, I mean, I'm, I spend half the day going, they've lost their minds. I mean, I think of Australia, they've lost their minds. They need some psychiatrists down there. They've absolutely lost their minds. California, they've lost their minds. It's a dumpster fire and yeah, just keep voting for dumpster fires, you know. So let's, let's not do anything to change the ridiculous situations that we're in. But I look around in life and you see the fight, the fights that are going on for homosexuality, for transgender. I'm reading a book today. I started a book today. It's actually a book that um, uh, I read it 25 years ago. And so Patrick and I were, we did a thing, a men's ministry back. I took about five guys, six guys through it about a year ago. And some of the books in there we read. So Patrick said, I want to do that with our teenagers, with our, with our college and career age boys. So they're reading a book right now by a man named John Eldridge. And this book was written, I think, in 98 or 99. And the stuff he's talking about, what is it? Wild at, wild at Heart. Yep, reading that one. There's several that he wrote that are really good, but we're, we're reading Wild at Heart. And the first chapter, he's talking about the, tra the, the gender issues. And he's talking about how, and this is written in the late 90s, and he's talking about how uh, the, what, what's going on in the world, we're, we're sissifying our men. I mean, that's, that's the easiest way to say it. We're sissifying. And somebody said the other day, who uses the word sissy anymore? <laughs> Us older 50-year-olds do. <laughs> Absolutely. That's still a word. But that's, you know, it's what's happening. And he was talking about the, the struggles that our kids are having with gender identity. And this thing's 22, 23 years ago. He wrote that. And I thought, wow, how timely that is even for today. And yet we're seeing more of how that's lived out today than even what he was seeing at that time. How it's just so prevalent now and the, and the whole, um, uh, what, 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 the, the, uh, um, 
No, it's accepting of everything. You can't say this because it's political correctness. The whole political correctness. You know, it, it's all right. So I was slipping through one day. Y'all gonna say you watched that? But I did. I was slipping through. Anybody ever seen Wendy Williams? You know who she is? Okay, so Wendy Williams, she just sits there and talks. But I caught it, and she was talking about Barbie. So there's a woman who wants to be Barbie. She has spent millions, probably millions of dollars, a million dollars or something. It wouldn't surprise me if it's more. She wants to look like Barbie. So she's had the tucks and the stuffs and the implants and the, all that stuff and all the work on her face to look like Barbie. She's got the Barbie car. Everything is wanting to look just like a Barbie. So they tell this story. And so here's what, when it finishes, here's what Wendy Williams said. I said, I'm interested in the take. She said, she needs counseling. And I said, absolutely. And it's no different than the whole tr the transgender issue. It's the same thing. I'm a man but I want to be transitioned into a woman. If you would say that somebody's messed up in the head and needs counseling because they want to look like Barbie, they don't want to change their sex. They just want to look like Barbie. And that's sick. They can say that. They can say that right now until someone identifies as Barbie and then they'll, it'll be an issue. I don't know how I got on that other than we're reading this book, but that's, that's where we're at today. So, I mean, I, I, I read, I get, I get emails and things, and I look at the headlines of things that are going on in the world, and I'm just, I spend my day shaking my head. And I go, come, Lord, quickly. Amen? So we're, we're going we're gonna to start in a couple of weeks. We're going we're gonna to start... And we're, we're just going to look at where we're at, kind of look at where we're at right now and the signs the Lord gave us, the things to look for. And we're going to study through that part of it, and we'll see where it goes. I don't know that I'm going to go and launch into a, a Revelation, verse-by-verse study through Revelation, but we'll see. We'll just see where it goes, okay? And we may have somebody in here who says, hey, I can teach that. And, and I, may, I may say, all right, come on, but we'll, we'll see. But um, we'll see where that goes. Um, I, I think it's important that we look at that. I'm going to tell you why I don't get big into the stuff. When the rapture comes, I ain't going to be here for the rest of it. Okay. Now, I know we're supposed to read it, but I don't get caught up in the what's going on in, in this point and that point because that's all going to take. I, I, I know this. The rapture's coming. The rapture's coming, folks. And when it comes, it's going to be too late for a lot of people most important thing that we can be doing right now is witnessing, sharing our faith, telling people about Jesus, and telling that there's judgment to come. We don't want to talk about judgment today. We don't want to, we don't want to talk about that. Well, they don't want to talk about it. Well, a lot of people don't want to talk a lot about a lot of things. You know what I found? We, we would say, lost world don't want to talk about that. They don't want to deal with it. You know what? Christians don't want to talk about their own sin. I found in the church, you, you know, you can confront someone with, with an attitude problem. And it's a blow up. Because I don't want to be confronted with I'm ever wrong. That I'm ever at fault. I mean, that's just that's where we're at. So you can imagine if Christians behave that way, when we should be like, yeah, okay, maybe the Lord's speaking to me here. Maybe I need to listen and take that counsel, that word from somebody who's trying to help me. Because a brother or sister, if, if, if somebody came to me and said, Pastor, you just, you come across so arrogant in this. I'd go, 
whatever. No, I, I hope I wouldn't. I hope I hope I would I would say, well, and maybe I would I'd go, you're crazy. That might be what I'd think. But I'm, I promise you this, you tell me, I'm going to think about what you tell me. I'm going to evaluate it. And they thought that was funny. He thought that was funny back there. He said, she, no, she said, she said, he's a nut. Um, we need to listen to the people around us, but we need to listen to the Word of God. And how many times do we hear something that's taught from the Word of God and we know it applies to us and we just brush it off? I mean, we've, we've got to apply the Word of God. So all that said, in a couple of weeks, we're going to be looking at some end-time stuff. So this week, next week, we'll finish up this study and uh, the, the study we're going to start tonight, and then we'll get into that. And uh, I think we'll have a good time. I think it's going to be helpful for us. All right, number five. Number five in our notes from last week. Wrapping up this, this whole study that we did on the will of God and the plan of God in our life, uh, the abundant life. So the last thing we're going to look at here is just kind of wrapping it up. Number five is how do I know if something is God's will, is God's will or a part uh, of God's plan. Well, we talked about God's will, right? There are certain things that God wills for everybody. He has a, a will for each one of us. And as we are obedient to his will in our life, we see as we walk in obedience to the word of God and the revealed will for each one of us, our sanctification, you know, we talked about that. As I walk and I'm, and I'm pursuing sanctification, it's, as I'm pursuing living in righteousness, I'm, I'm pursuing putting off the old man in the, and putting on the new man. I'm pursuing walking in the spirit, not walking in the flesh. If I walk in the flesh, I fulfill the lust of the flesh. So it's doing all of those things. We talk about that. So as I walk in God's will, his plan for my life becomes evident. When I left Charlotte, I left Charlotte, North Carolina. I think I shared that, but I left Charlotte, North Carolina in 99. Gina was pregnant, didn't have a place to live. I, I, we had an apartment complex. We owned a four-apartment apartment building, but it was all rented out, so I ended up having to stay with my mom for a while. Didn't have a job. Gina's pregnant. I'm, I, I had to do COBRA insurance, which is outrageous, all that stuff, and people thought I'd lost my mind. But if I would not taken that step and left Charlotte, North Carolina, out of what I really believe was obedience to come back to Commerce, Georgia, to come back to the Athens area, um, what, what God did then and the door he opened up for us wouldn't have been there. Now, he could have and probably would have opened up something in North Carolina. I mean, there was a, there was a church that was booming. Now, who knows what I would have been doing there? God knows. But he took, and um, as I followed in obedience, I believe with all my heart, he said, this is what I want you to do. I want you to leave. I want you to follow me by faith. Not, not trust in, in worry about your dollars, worry about your bank account. I want you to trust me and walk by faith and jump out of the airplane without a parachute. And I did, and it was scary, and it was still one of the funnest times in my life watching God work in that. And three months later, I was on staff of a church of 1,100, and I never so much as sent a resume in. I mean, that's, that's how God can work. But if I had not taken the jump out of the airplane, I wouldn't have had that incredible landing. You see what I'm saying? So as we, as we walk in obedience, so uh, no, uh, point A there is this. You will, you will never find the will of God or the plan of God outside of the Word of God. So when we, when we talk about following the will of God, it's revealed in the Word of God. 
So as we stay true to the Word of God, and we walk by that, we walk by the Word of God, we're following the Word of God, what He has revealed to us in His Word, then, then the, the plan of God will be revealed, but it is never outside of the Word of God. His will for our life, His plan for our life, never is going to contradict the Word of God. Do you hear what I'm saying? His plan, what He wants for your life, will never contradict the Word of God. And if he reveals clearly in his word that something is wrong or it's sin, he's never going to go, well, that's okay in your case. You know, I I know I wrote that. I know I gave that to them. I inspired them to write it. And it applies to everybody else. The The other 16 billion people that have lived or are alive or however many it is. But but I'll exempt you from that. But that's a lot of times how we feel. What was the lawyer? The lawyer was questioning the Lord. And the scripture says, I think about this often, says seeking to justify himself. See, that's what we want to do. We want to justify what I'm doing, even though the Bible is clearly, very clearly that it's wrong, tells me it's wrong. Oh, but I'm okay with that. I'll give you an example. Hmm. Okay, I won't use names. I have to be careful what I say because we go out online. All right, so I had someone telling me that they had, they had remarried and, you know, they were a widow and the other person was a widow, so they remarried. Everything, that's scripturally nothing wrong with that. But when they remarried, they, re, they married a lost person, a person they knew was not a believer. And I went, whoa, whoa, wait, he... He said, no, now, I, I know, you know, I wrestled with that. I know what the scripture says about unequally yoked. I said, yeah, so how do you get around that one? Well, the Lord showed me that it was okay. Oh, really? The Lord showed you. So my question was, how did the Lord, well, the Lord told me. I said, well, how did the Lord tell you? I'm waiting to hear the little, well, the Lord audibly spoke to me. I was driving down the road, and it was just like he was sitting in the chair right there, and he talked to me, and I went, okay, whatever. Um, but we went around and around with the, uh, the Lord told me, the Lord spoke to me, the Lord showed me, the Lord, he revi- the Lord confirmed it. And, and so what he said was, the scriptures say that you shouldn't divorce a lost spouse. They'll stay with you, stay with you. I said, yeah, but that ain't got nothing to do with you marrying a lost spouse to get to a lost spouse so you can not divorce the lost spouse. I said, that makes no sense. I said, so do you, do, so you get where I'm coming from? That's, that's a twisting of Scripture to justify myself. I'm going to justify it however it takes, however I have to because I, I want it to, you know, it's the thing people say, well, God wants me to be happy. I, I think God does want us to be happy, but not outside of holiness. Never is his, his concern for our happiness more than his concern for our holiness. And as we live holy lives, as we walk in holiness, God's going to bless our lives. And, and folks, that's where we're going to be happy as a Christian when we walk in holiness. You know, sometimes people talk about their struggle with depression or whatever. A lot of times we as believers, we struggle with depression because we got sin in our life. There could be other things. But I'm telling you, for a Christian... You're not reading the Bible. That's the first thing I'd ask you. Man, I'm really struggling with this. Okay, are you reading your Bible? Well, you know, I read it. I probably read it four or five days ago. Okay, so you're not reading your Bible. Are you spending any time in prayer? Well, I, you know, I pray some. I pray. Okay, but here's, here's your big problem right here. You're not in the Word of God. You're not spending time in fellowship with God and through, through prayer. So and when we get away from those things, we're, we're going to have those problems. 
And so you walk in in a guilty distance. You know, you've got some sin in your life. So you might be walking at, you know, I don't know. Have you ever heard that phrase, walking at a guilty distance? Anybody ever heard that phrase? You know, that's, that's what a lot of us do. We, we know there's sin in our life. We know there's something there, and we walk guilty. We stay away. From, I mean, it's, it's like this. Pe- you know, I, I found this. People avoid me. I must just be a... I've had people tell me, oh, you're intimidating. You should have seen me when I had the Fu Manchu going on. Because I, I, I realize I have an angry... I, I can have an angry resting face. John, and I've talked about this. John, John and I both share this quality. We kind of have an angry resting face. So I could be sitting here listening to good preaching like this. Because I'm, I'm, in, I'm intense, you know, and I have intense eyes. But I promise you, I don't think I'm intimidating. I don't want to be. I don't try to be. I think I'm approachable. But I know this. There are people who avoid me. And what I found is people that Preachers know a lot of things, and I'll know somebody's got something going on in their life, and they may not want me to know about it, but I might know about it, and I don't see them. They, they don't come close. They don't talk to me. I mean, it, it, you don't have to avoid me, but if they're going to do that with a preacher, what do you think we do with the Lord? We walk at a guilty distance. I don't, I don't want to get too close because I feel the conviction. So people get sin in their lives, they quit coming to church. Why? Because they come to church and they're hearing truth. Whether the, 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 what we got going on in our life is, is dealt with or not, we, we're convicted. You be around another Christian who's living right. I mean, living right. It's convicting. And people go, oh, man, I don't like being around them, them holy rollers. And they're just living right. But, you know, that's where we, we get. I've told you all my definition of a legalist and a, and a, and a, a liberal, right? A legalist is anybody that's more conservative than I am, and a leftist or a liberal is anybody that's a little more liberal than I am. Right? That's where we get. It all depends on, it's, that, that's, it's wrong because it's my perspective. It's, well, pff, I can't believe they're so legalistic. Why? Because they have a little more conservative standard than you. That doesn't make somebody legalistic. So, got to be careful. Wow, we're really flying through this tonight. B. <laughs> B, nothing God wants you to do will contradict the truth of the Word of God or the leading of God in your life. The Word of God and the will of God will never contradict. What He wants you to do will never contradict with what He has revealed in His Word. Never. Well, I, I believe that, you know, I think, I think that God as a homosexual, God wants me to pastor a church. Bull. Bull. No. Well, I think God wants me to be happy, so he told me it was okay to have an affair. Wrong! I'm not happy with my life the way it is, so God's okay with me getting a divorce. No! There are some grounds for divorce, folks. But you know, even in that, that's not God's first plan, his his will. Even in that, where God has said, in the case of this, then, then okay... His, his thing is we're to forgive. Now, we'll get to the forgiving part if I'll move on. See, as we grow in our knowledge of the Word of God, our thoughts become more aligned with the workings of God. And, and, and so this is what happens. So we're, we're, uh, we're reading the Word of God. How many of you can testify that the more and more you read the Word of God, the better you, you kind of understand the heart of God, right? 
And, and so this, the, the, the Bible calls this having the mind of Christ. As we read the Word of God, as we study the Word of God, you know, it, 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 I used to tell my bosses at, at um, probably every boss I've ever had, I always wanted to spend time with them because I wanted to know the way they thought about certain things. I wanted to know how they, and if you know that, then you come up on a situation and you can have a better idea of how they would handle it or maybe how they want you to handle it. John, you would, you would understand that, right? So you, you would want people that you work with to, to hang out with you and to understand how John thinks and this is the way we do things here and, and so that they're not going off the deep end and going, why, why would you think that's okay? And they go, well, I didn't know what you thought. And John says, well, if you just come to my office and talk to me every now and then, you'd understand. See, that's where it is spiritually, folks. It's spending time with God so we know his heart. As we read his word, as we study his word, then we have the mind of Christ. And we should make our decisions in life according to the word of God and the leading of the Holy Spirit, not our flesh. There again, that's why it's so important that we walk in the spirit of God, not in our flesh. And we get in the word of God and know what the word of God says. And the Word of God has the answers we need really for every area of life. There's nothing lacking there. There's nothing missing. It may not call my name, but it's in there. The answers are in the Word of God. So take note of the great truth found in Romans 12, uh, 1 and 2 and Philippians 2, 5. Romans 12, 1 and 2, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is a reasonable service, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And we've talked about this before. If we're going to not be conformed to this world, but we're going to be transformed by the renewing of our minds, how do we renew our minds? Through the Word of God and through prayer. Through the Word of God and through prayer. Through the Word of God and through prayer. That's it. You, you get in the Word of God. There, there are no other tools. There's, there's no other, you know, don't pick up a Joel Osteen book. That ain't going to get you any closer to God. And, and, and I think a lot of Christians read too many sec, not, yeah, secular books, even though they're spiritual books. They're, they're not the Word of God. They're not the Bible. I'd rather read the Word of God than what somebody else is saying about the Word of God. Now, I reference commentaries. I reference what great men from the past write, what great men from today and with knowledge of the Word of God write. But I'm more concerned with what God said than what somebody else said God said, Right? So you get into the Word of God, and that's how we renew our minds. As we bathe our minds, it's putting on the Bible, listening to that at night. It's bathing our minds in the Word of God. You're listening to the Bible going down the road. Even if you're not catching every word, if you're like me, and I'll listen to the Scriptures going down the road, and I'll hear something, and the next thing I know, I've been five minutes, I haven't heard a word that has been read because my mind is, is thinking on what I heard back there five minutes ago. My mind's thinking on it, but I'm chewing. It's forcing me to think about the Word of God. I'm bathing my mind in that. So we renew our minds. Uh, we're transformed by the renewing of our mind that we may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Philippians 2, 5, let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus, having the mind of Christ, the the understanding him, being humble. D, uh, carnal, which is fleshly or worldly thoughts are replaced with God's thoughts by immersing yourself in the word of God. Again, as you get into the word of God, you drive out the carnal. We, we, we can be carnal so easily. Carnal is just simply this worldly or fleshly. We embrace, and folks, what Trish said last, I guess you told me this Sunday, I mentioned it Sunday. I, I, that has just rung true uh, for, for a lot of reasons. But, you know, they used to put the, um, 
the, the clock on the, on the outside of the church, on the steeple, where everybody could see it and they knew not to be late for church. Around here, we need to set the clock at um, like 1025. So it looks like we're starting at 1025 if we want to get everybody here on time. I'm, I'm, I'm going to chastise y'all a little bit. Y'all don't know how to get to church on time. 10.15, we start. I stand up here. When I used to start the service right here, I'd look out, and we'd have one service. And I'd sit down, and we'd do a couple songs. I'd come back up, and we've got a whole different church. We do. It changes. So let me encourage you. Get in here at 10.15 because you're missing part of the service. If you get in here at 10.20, you miss a baptism sometimes. You might miss, you might miss a, a scripture reading and prayer time. So get in here at 10.15. Folks at home watching, log on at 10.15, all right? Don't join, jump in there. Like, so carnal, fleshly, just, just being worldly in our thinking. Um, 2 Corinthians 10.5 says, Casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God Bring every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. And that's what we've got to do. So all that, all that said there and wrapping up is, look, get in the word of God. And as you get in the word of God, he reveals the will. He reveals his will for each one of us. And as we're obedient to that, he will direct you in the plan that he has for your life. Amen. So you want to say, I want to know God's will. I want to know what he wants me to do. It's very clear. We've got it. Pull your notes out. Read through it again. Get in the Word of God, and He'll reveal that. All right, Foundation 16. We're going to do this, and then we'll, and then after next week, we're going to, we'll finish this. I'm going to finish. I'm going to talk fast. All right, here we go. Foundation. We're going to finish it tonight. We're going to finish it next week. All right, my relationship to other believers. That's what we're talking about tonight. My relationship to other believers. Um, one of the greatest blessings that we have as believers in Christ is the relationships that we have with other believers who are in Christ. Amen? So, I mean, if you're not in Christ, you're not a believer. And if someone else is not in Christ, they're not a believer. So the key to this is being in Christ. We are in Christ. So in this lesson, we're going to answer the following questions. How am I related to other Christians? What are my responsibilities to other Christians? What should be my attitude toward other Christians? What is fellowship? And how do I resolve conflict in my relationship to other believers? So how am I related to other Christians? So we, we talked back in a previous lesson as we were, we were looking at this. We were talking about salvation, I believe was the lesson. And so we learned that when we are born again, when we're saved, when we come into that faith relationship with Christ, we enter God's family and we leave Satan's family. So there is no, you're not in, a, there's no third family. You know, we, we are, I hear people say, well, we're all God's children. Nope, wrong. We're not. You're not a child of God. You are his creation. You are, you are a part of his creation. But you are not a child of God until you're born again. You are not his child until you've been born again. And when we do that, we leave Satan's family. And scripture is very clear that before I'm born again, I am a child of disobedience. I'm a child of the evil one. So I am a child of Satan until I'm born again. So when I am born again, then we are brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ. And so there, there are a lot of churches that, and, I, and I've been in churches that do this, and I'll do it every now and then. Um, I'll talk about brother so-and-so or sister so-and-so. You know what? I think that's a lost part of the language in church that, that I, I, I like, and I wish we'd use it more. Sister Linda, because she, Linda is my sister. 
And, it, and it's also kind of a show of respect in the way that we speak of others. But I could talk about John out there, not this John, but John out there. And John, I'm not going to call John my brother. We do this a lot. We go, hey, brother, how you doing? Some lost person, you know, and they're not my brother. I mean, we're talking about family here. And, and I've been in churches, a lot of churches, where we really, we, we refer to each other as brother. Brother Henry. Henry, you've been there, haven't you? Yeah. And, and so we've lost that. And here's why we lose it. Well, it just feels like it's out of touch, you know, with, with people that come in. They may not understand it. You know what? They will understand it. They'll figure it out. Why is it that we feel like we got to look like the world? They come in here. Do you realize when people come and visit here, they actually come to, they're coming to church. They're not coming for a rock concert. If they are, they come to the wrong church because we're not going to do a rock concert. We're not going to do the lights and the smoke and dim it out in here, make it dark. Boom, 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 boom. We're, we're not, we're not going to do all that. We're not going to bring in the world. You're not going to, we don't attract the world. We don't attract the world to Christ by being just like the world. And you go, well, we've got to be, we've got to be, um, Attractional. That's a word. We've got to be attractional with our worship. I, I tend to think a lot of times that attractional leads to worldly with our worship. It becomes very worldly. It becomes very much like everything that's going on out there. We need to be different. The Bible says that we're a peculiar people. It should be different in here. Now, I don't want it to be awkward and like weird and everybody's got their Star Wars Princess Leia buns with their hair or, or, or something like that. Huh? Handling snakes. No, we're not going to do that. Even if I thought that was right, I don't think I would do that. I'm not a snake guy. Um, but, 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 but we too much today is pulling the world into the church. And it gets into our our theology and our convictions. And we compromise. It goes back to what I was talking about earlier. We begin then to compromise and to, to justify sin because of, you know what it is? It's situational morality. Yeah, that would, that would point that out as wrong. I would point that out as wrong. Except you and I are good friends and I'm going to embrace it because you're my friend and I don't want to offend you. We do that, folks. We do it. And I, I'm going to tell you, if I got sin in my life, I don't want Brent coming to me and going, hey, man, I know you got that going on, and it's okay. God loves you. I want you to go say, are you stupid? You need to get this right with God because what you're doing is wrong. We need to confront that. Amen? Amen. All right. I didn't know. I didn't know. I'll make sure you all on page with me. Brothers and sisters in Christ. So if you are a Christian, if you're a child of God, then we are brothers and sisters. First John uh, chapter 3, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called children of God. That's when we become a believer. Now, now yeah, we're not going to get far. Um, <laughs> how can we have fellowship with the world if the world... Look at what this verse says. First John 1, 3. Let me read this again. Behold what manner of love... I made a note in here. That's why I just said that. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called children of God. Therefore, the world does not know us 
because it did not know him. So if I'm a child of God, what does that scripture tell me right there? This world out there, what? Doesn't know us, right? So how in the world can we have fellowship with the lost world? If I'm a believer, if I'm a child of God, I don't have felt. Now, that doesn't mean I don't go to the marketplace and try to win people to the Lord. It doesn't mean that I don't, I don't talk to my neighbors. And I mean, you get in the line at Walmart. You got plenty of time if you're in the line at Walmart to witness to somebody. I promise you. Go get in the line at Chick-fil-A. The line at Chick-fil-A with 50 cars will go quicker than the, the Walmart line will. With three people there and 50 registers. Um, you got time. You got time to witness. But we're talking about fellowship. Now, the fellowship, that we don't have fellowship with the world. But, folks, the body of Christ is out here fellowshipping with the world. We're doing it every day. People that are living in sin, and we're right in there with it. And we don't confront it because I don't want to offend them. We don't separate. People go, well, you know, I got to love them. Well, love them enough to tell them the truth. Love them enough to confront the wrong. And I'm going to tell you what, if it costs you a friendship, okay. I'd rather, I would rather offend a brother or sister who's in sin and lose that friend over that than to, to embrace that and the Lord not be pleased with me. If you, if you go into Corinthians, it's very, very clear that if someone's living, if a believer is living in sin, we're not to even... We're not, to fellow, we're not to even have a meal with them. And you go, oh, that's harsh. Well, I didn't make the rules. Don't get mad at me. Get mad at God. No, don't get mad at God. Just do what God said. There's a reason for that. Because if, if Brent is living in sin and we just embrace it as though it's okay, how do, God uses us in that in confronting the sin. God uses his word. He uses the Holy Spirit. But he uses us. Sometimes Brent ain't reading his Bible because he's walking in sin. You know where he's going to hear the word of God? From a friend who will confront him with Brent. Why are you doing this? You've got to get this fixed in your life. This is wrong. And the route you're taking is wrong. You've got to get that straightened out. And when we do that, I mean, if you, if you be honest, anybody in here ever had somebody confront you? I have. I've had people confront me and go, hey, I had a guy one time, it's good to have a, you know what a wingman is? So a wingman, you know, if you're a pilot, you're flying, there's certain, you got blind spots, right, Scott? I'm, I always refer to the experts. So when you're flying an airplane, there, there are blind spots. So a wingman is somebody's back here who can see the rest of the plane, can see what's going on. So your blind spots are covered because you got a buddy back there. So when I was at church up in, uh, I was on staff up in Georgia, I, had a, uh, I was doing, um, one of the things I did is connect people into ministry. So I taught the shape class. Some of you remember when I did that when I first got here. I teach shape. And then we would, I would counsel with people. So I'm in, on a, and I do a lot of that on Sunday afternoons before our service on Sunday night. So I'm standing in the foyer waiting. I'm supposed to counsel with someone. This lady comes in. I never meet with anybody one-on-one. -on -one. A lady. I don't ever do that. And so this lady came in, and my buddy is standing there with me. She comes in. She gives him a big old hug. And, man, I thought, man, they must know each other from school or something. I mean, they, they're old friends. And uh, he kind of sticks around a bit. And I said, well, we're, we got to go back here and counsel. And John... Was in, we shared an office, so John was back there. So we go back, and we, he follows me in. He comes in the office, and I'm like, 
everything all right? And he's like, oh, y'all got a meeting? And John, oh, he was, oh, okay, all right, good. He said, I need to talk to you as soon as this is over. So after it was over, here's what, John, what, what Joe tells me. He says, who was that? I said, you don't know her? I said, she gave you a bear hug. You, he said, yeah, that's why I came in your office. So I was worried about you being somewhere by yourself with her. I didn't know what that was because he said, I've never met her in my life. And she hugged him like she had known him forever. And so it was really a weird situation. But here's somebody who's looking out for me, who's watching what's going on. And, and, and if it had been me, so it's, it's watching out for those, our, our brothers and our sisters. Amen. So how can we have fellowship with the world when the world doesn't even know us? We can't. We shouldn't. Number two, uh, verse 2 there says, But beloved, now we are the children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. Uh, we, we're going to probably deal with that scripture some on Sunday um, when we're talking about death and why should we fear death. I mean, transitioning into death ought to be exhilarating for a Christian. I mean, it really should be. You know, if we get the right perspective on death and how, look, this is just a, death is just a, it's a continuation of life doesn't end. It's just a transition. And if we really embrace that, we would never fear it. We would never, but I'm, I'm already on Sunday morning, but here we go. Um, we're children of God. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 9 through 12, but we see, but we see Jesus who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death crowned with glory and honor that he, by the grace of God, might taste death for everyone. For it was fitting for him for whom are all things and by whom are all things in bringing many sons to glory to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. For both he who suffers... I'm sorry. For both he who sanctifies and those who are being sanctified. So he who sanctifies the Lord and those who are being sanctified, his children... Are, are all of one, for which reason he is not ashamed to call them brethren. We're brothers, we're sisters, and we should treat each other that way. Um, unless you come from a dysfunctional family, and then you need to unlearn that. Don't bring that into the church, okay? We got a lot of that today. B, we are uh, fellow laborers in service for Jesus Christ. Who is Paul? 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 5 through 10 says, Who then is Paul, and who is Apollos, but ministers through whom you believed, as the Lord gave to each one? I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then neither he who plants is anything, nor he who waters, but God who gives the increase. Now he who plants and he who waters are one, and each one will receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we are God's fellow workers." We are co-laborers. We are fellow laborers in service with Christ Jesus, for Christ Jesus. I mean, if you're a child of God, we are co-laboring together. We are, we are working together. We're brothers and sisters together, but we're co-laborers as well. And we're working in the same thing. And, and, and like Paul says, what, who's Paul? Who's Apollos? So what? Some, some got saved under Paul's ministry. Some got paid, saved under Paulus' ministry. But it wasn't Paul or Paulus, either one that saved them. It was God who saves. It's God who gives the increase. We're all in this together. And, and, and listen, I have a different role than, than anybody else in the church. There's, there's one pastor. There are, we have three elders. There are three elders. We don't have 15 elders. We have three elders. We have five deacons. We don't have 25 deacons. We have five deacons. Well, I think we do have 25. We've probably got a bunch more deacons than that because deacons are servants, right? Amen? Diaconos, they're servants. So we, we got a lot of deacons in our church who are deacons without a title. 
I mean, they're servants. That's what it's about. And I appreciate our men as they serve. But we, we're all in this together. And if your role is to greet people at the front door and to make them feel welcomed or to mosey around the sanctuary before church starts on Sunday morning and make guests feel welcome and greet others. And if it's your job to call the people on your list, that's your responsibility. We're doing that together. And we all have a different job. Mine is to equip the body for the work of the ministry. It's my job is to teach and to preach the word of God and to oversee that part of the ministry so that we then go out and do the work of the ministry. I can't do it all. I want to win people to the Lord. But you have access to folks I'll never even get to talk to. My job is to equip you to go out and do that. But we're fellow laborers in this work. We're fellow laborers for the Lord Jesus. What are my responsibilities to other Christians? Number two, what are my responsibilities to other Christians? A, we are to pray for one another. Prayer is our resource. Uh, when we pray for others, love for them grows stronger and we are more mindful of their needs. Amen? You know, if, if you're mad at somebody, that's why I tell people, I don't know how to get past that. Pray for them. If you're mad at somebody, pray for them. I, it, I think it's impossible to honestly go before the Lord and pray for someone and you stay mad at them. Some of you are going, no it ain't. <laughs> I've done it. <laughs> Praise God. Um, then maybe you had not done it right because I really do think it's impossible for you to go before the throne of God, talk to the God of the universe, the true living God, and the Holy Spirit of God is working in you and through you. And, and, you're, and you're mad at somebody and you pray for them and you, for you to remain mad. So the first thing is, is we should pray for one another. Jesus prayed for us, John 17, verse 9 through 11, I pray for them. I do not pray for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. And all mine are yours and yours are mine and I am glorified in them. Now I am no longer in the world, but these are in the world and I come to you, Holy Father. Keep through your name those whom you have given me, that they may be one as we are one. Verse 14, I have given them your word, and the word uh, has hate, ha I'm sorry, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. The Lord prayed for us, prayed for us today. And he didn't say, God, Father, take them out. When they get saved, beam them up. Get them out of there. He said, no, I don't pray that you take them out of the world, but that, that you should keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. How are we sanctified? Through truth and through, through the word. Jesus prayed. Uh, Paul, he asked for prayers. First uh, Thessalonians 5.25, he says, Brethren, pray for us. 2 Thessalonians 3.1, Finally, brethren, pray for us that the word of the Lord may run swiftly and be glorified just as it is with you. So Paul coveted your prayers. I'll tell you this, as your pastor, I covet your prayers. I, 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 if you've got a prayer list, I want you to put me on there. Put me up top so you don't, you don't run out of oxygen before you get down to me. I want you to pray for me every day. I want you to pray for our elders. I want you to pray for our deacons, our leadership in this church. Um, I know this, and it's not, it's not special about me other than the fact that God has called me to pastor. S Satan would love to take me out. Yeah. Satan would love to get me involved in something and bring reproach upon 
him, upon the church, upon you. So y'all pray for me. Every day, ask for God's hand to be upon me and to protect me and that, that I'll guard my heart and not get into something I shouldn't get into. And I've told y'all my prayer. I'm like, Lord, strike me dead before you let me fall. So if I get hit by a truck, y'all going to go, huh? Ah, he had something going on. The Lord took him out. And if that's the case, that's okay. It'd be better. It'd be better for that than I, I would hate. I, I would hate to. You know, I want to finish strong. I'm 53, and I don't know how long the Lord will allow me to minister. Who did that? You're going, young man. That's what y'all are thinking. Young man. Woo. Um, you know, I, I want to finish strong. And if the Lord lets me preach to 60 or 70 or 75, I got a pastor friend. He's 79 years old. He just retired from his third, well, third church since I've known him. He's 79. And it ain't going to stick because he's retiring from that and he's going into mission work. He, he's doing a mission work. It's this new thing that he's doing and it's amazing. But he's 79 years old. And uh, I, I met another guy, he's almost 90, up at a golf outing. And the word retirement came up. He goes, where do you find that in the Bible? There ain't no retirement in the Bible. I said, you're right, there ain't. I ain't planning to. I want to go as long as I can, but I want to finish strong. I don't want to fizzle out and get involved in sin at the, at the end of my life um, or later in life. Um, all right, let's stop right there. If I go further, we'll, we'll never... Never get done on time. So we're going to be on number 2B. 2B next time. That's where we'll pick up. Any questions or comments about anything tonight? What's that? No, no, no. I said I, I was going to finish the other one. And that's when they laughed when I said I was, going to, I was talking about the other one. We weren't going to, we were going to finish that one next week. Dream, 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 dream. I'm, I, I don't apologize because I, I, love, I love to teach when I go. I love, this is probably my favorite time of the week. I've told you, man, Wednesday nights, I could be dragging. And, man, I come in here on Wednesday nights. I hope, I hope y'all are encouraged. I hope it is. You come, so I hope it ain't just ain't because you got a kid here. You know, I hope it's because you go, all right, man, I like it. I, I hope that... One thing I never want to do is bore with the scriptures. I don't want to bore as a teacher. I know there are better teachers. There are people with better Bible knowledge. But I, I, I study and I prepare and I love to teach. And whether you all enjoy it or not, I'm just going to tell you, I have a ball. I love Wednesday night. And I leave here just on cloud nine every Wednesday night. I love being with you all in this time we have together. So uh, no questions or comments or anything? I had some really good questions, so there's some stuff we'll discuss a little bit next week. Um, I'll have maybe a little more to share with you, too, so uh, next week. Something that's going on that relates to some of this, how do we relate with each other? Because I got a situation in a ministry thing going on in our association that I'll share a little bit with you next week about that. And just how it doesn't have to be just a couple of people sitting in the pew. It can be people in bigger ministries have problems, too. We can if we get our eyes off the Lord. Nothing? John, if you would. No? 
You sure? <laughs> Why don't you pray for us, my friend? If you stand and dismiss us in prayer. Amen. Hope you have a great rest of the week. Need anything? Don't hesitate to holler. Maybe somebody will hear you.